This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I want to turn our attention back to uh, matters here at home and sentencing arguments this week in, in a really horrific sexual assault case. And, you know, this, this young girl, the victim here, is going to be impacted for life by this. A 17-year-old girl, she was abducted, held hostage uh, in, in a home for, I think it was about eight hours, raped repeatedly. Um, she was able to escape when, the, uh, when her assailants were, uh, when the attackers were distracted. Uh, just, uh, just horrific. So the Crown pushing for some, some long sentences here. Well, relatively long, I, I guess by Canadian standards. I mean, 12 years doesn't seem like enough, but I think it would send a strong message that uh, the defense asking for, for less than that. These are the brothers Corey and, and Cody many shots. But an odd wrinkle this, this week during the sentencing hearing the victim part of the sentencing is for the victim impact statement to be heard for this particular victim and you can just imagine how traumatizing it is to to be in the same room as her attackers to to have to see them and face them she didn't feel that she could get up and read the statement in open court in front of the victims or in, as a victim, in front of her attackers. So she asked that her lawyer, or that the Crown prosecutor, do it on, on her behalf. And my understanding is that that's, that's allowable and under the criminal code. Nonetheless, though, Judge Terry Seminuk refused to allow it. Would not allow the, the Crown prosecutor to read the victim impact statement. So he said, the record will show the victim impact statement has been marked as an exhibit. I'm not going to allow the Crown to read it into the records having regard to the publication ban on the victim's identity. Joining us for some thoughts on on this particular decision and and what this whole experience must be like for this young woman and and other victims and other similar kinds of cases. Daniel Aubrey joins us, executive director of Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse. Danielle, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, um, thank you for having me. What do you make of this decision, first of all? Is it uh, concerning to you? Well, you know, the, the, the puzzling thoughts that I've had, you know, since I've heard this, uh, uh, that's, that's been mainly, I, I really am, I'm at, a, I'm at a loss for words, actually, in terms of, of seeing something like this happen in our court system. Um, I'm very puzzled by it. Um, and, but I'm also, uh, you know, to me it's disgraceful. Uh, this kind of behavior coming from um, a, a person at that level, uh, really, it, it shouldn't happen. Now, it it should be allowed, right? I mean, the, the Crown's contention, or the victim's contention as well, I guess, by extension, was that this is allowed, the, the rules that govern victim impact statements, right? And that, is that your understanding? Absolutely. I mean, it happens every day, not just in sexual assault cases. Um, and it, it's, 
uh, it's absolutely allowed. I've seen parents uh, read statements. I've seen friends. I've seen lots of Crown do it. Uh, I don't know where this person is, where this judge is coming from. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a clear violation of this young woman's uh, rights under the victim code of you know victims code of rights um, in Canada. Um, the criminal code, as you said, permits it. Um, and uh, I don't know what this person is thinking. From our perspective, uh, the lack of knowledge of trauma uh, and being trauma-informed uh, from this judge is, uh, is very concerning for us. You know, we believe, regardless of the circumstances, that sexual assaults are victims, are crimes of, of violence and trauma results from them. So uh, in order to, to understand this issue, you need to understand trauma. And if you're sitting on the bench, yeah, most crime is about trauma. So uh, it's time for a little bit of education, I think, uh, not just for this person, but, uh, you know, uh, this comes on the heels of the Topolinsky case, too, that uh, where she let that judge know that uh, his you know, his understanding of sexual violence is far from adequate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can only imagine what this this whole trial has, has been like for this young mm-hmm. woman. I, I mean, there's, well, we don't know the sentence yet, but mm-hmm. these, these two have been convicted. They, they are going to go to jail, we, we assume. Uh, and, and so maybe there's some, some satisfaction in knowing that these people are being brought to justice. But just the entire process and having to be in the courtroom and seeing them and reliving all of this, what's it like for, for victims? Well, I mean, we've long understood that, um, that the criminal justice system can cause what we call secondary trauma uh, for people going through the system. Um, and what's really important is that... You know, and, and rightfully so in some respect, the criminal justice system needs to function at a more objective kind of level, right? So, but that being said, for uh, victims of crime, particularly sexual violence, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of points of empowerment or control in that system. So it's really important when, when uh, there are points in the system that allow for them to make their own decisions about things, that that is respected and, you know, that people follow that. Um, and certainly the, the issue around the victim impact statements is a point for people to be able to make those kinds of, of decisions for themselves. So, uh, you know, we know it's a traumatic experience for many people. You know, it's different for everyone, though. Um, so I can't make any assumptions specifically about what this young woman has gone through. But um, from what we know, you know, uh, it's traumatic and it has deep impact. And like you mentioned early on, uh, these are life-changing and life-altering long-term uh, effects that people experience from this. Yeah. Now, I mean, the, the Crown's job here is to... to you know, get the conviction, right? And mm-hmm. and so they, they don't necessarily represent the victim. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're I, I suppose, advocating on her behalf in a way, but is there enough support directly for the victim in these cases? Uh, I think that, that we've come a long way. Uh, you know, at CASA, we have a specific court and support program uh, that we offer to, to people going through the system because we know that they need support. You know, anyone would need support. Doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that you're weak or anything like that. It just means that this is a system that, that um, 
that has lots of challenges. So, um, you know, and we also know that victim impact statements are written by the hand of the victim, right? So Mm -hmm. even though they're not uh, maybe not choosing to speak it, um, the words are theirs. The experience is is their their own. Um, It's just being read by, by someone else. You know, and it's interesting. I mean, someone sent a text that, that says maybe the, the attackers should be the ones to, to stand up and, and read the victim impact statement. I mean, I think part of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the, the whole point of having a victim impact statement is for the accused and for the person convicted to understand or hopefully understand, you know, the impact that their actions caused and, and what it did to, to their victim. Right. And if it's just going to be entered in as an exhibit... Mm-hmm. Well, what does it accomplish? They're, they're not going to hear it. They're, yeah. they're not going to see it. And they likely, yeah, they won't read it. Or, you know, no one's going to read, no one else is going to read it to them. Um, yeah, and, and for us, again, as an agency, you know, we believe in, uh, uh, you know, offender accountability 100%. Um, and you're right, this is a process that... Um, that is part of taking accountability. Yeah, they pled guilty. Great. You know, it's... It, that. You know, but we can't assume that, that that was helpful for her. We don't know if if people want to um, testify or not, right? So, uh, but, you know, I think in, in society's eyes, we always sort of say, oh, that's great that they, you know, spared that person from, from having to testify. But, um, but so there has been that one level of accountability. The other level is that you need to sit there and listen to what kind of impact you've had on this person. And that was completely taken away from... Uh, for for the victim in, the, in this particular situation, mm-hmm. and you know, it, we have enough loops <laughs> in the criminal justice system around sexual assault cases. Um, there's there always seems to be these exceptions that come up, um, and really, it just results in people not being held 100% accountable for what they did. Yeah. And taking a step back, you'd alluded to this earlier in the conversation, uh, a pretty powerful ruling from from Court of Queen's Bench, uh, Justice Juliana Topolinsky Mm -hmm. this week. And Mm -hmm. uh, this this overturned a a lower court ruling in a different sexual assault case. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a bit more about why that's an important ruling, what it tells us about how the courts are are now dealing with, with issues around sexual assault. Well, you know, I think it's important because we know there's someone, uh, another person on the bench that actually understands this is- this issue. And, you know, we don't see it very often. We see it sort of at the level of, of law where one judge will, you know, call out the other on a ruling or whatever, but it's all very proper, you know. Um, to me, this you know, I, I, we rarely see this kind of awareness coming from the bench um, uh, and uh, addressing another member of the bench and basically saying, you know, this is inappropriate. And not only is it inappropriate, this person should not be involved in anything to do with this case again, right? So uh, it's, a, it's a huge statement, you know, and... Um, and that's what we need. You know, for so many years, the bench has said, you know, you know, you never used to use the word training for judges, right? So we all kind of changed the language to education. Um, but And that's what they need. A, a lot of them need education about sexual violence, the dynamics of it, um, the relational nature of, of the crime, uh, the trauma piece of it. That's what they need. If they're going to be making good decisions, 
that's what they need. And that's what I saw here. You know, we always have sort of the counter argument, well, you know, we don't want judges to be biased. Yeah, that's right, we don't. So what we saw was Topolinsky not being biased and the other judge being very biased in his ruling. So, um, you know, it's uh, the tides are changing a little bit. You know, I, I, I used to feel that, you know, every step forward we took, we'd take four back. <laughs> so right. now I'm sort of at maybe one step forward and two back. Um, but the fact that, that finally people are talking about um, these issues in a way that's informed by trauma and by... Um, victims' rights is. I think that's the important piece that we need to hang on to as a positive. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, people remember the the, the story around Justice Robin Camp, and mm-hmm. and he was the one who brought down this decision in a sexual assault case where he yeah. admonished the victim and said, yeah. right, she should have kept her legs together, her knees together. Yeah. So he's he's now being investigated. Uh, there's yeah. there's an inquiry now taking place, and we have. You know, this ruling this week in Alberta regarding a yeah. case where, again, and, and to, people need to understand, I mean, it was a case where a, a girl was saying no repeatedly uh-huh. and that somehow the initial judge believed that there was consent, a very disturbing case. But now we got this this ruling from the court of Queen's bench. So yeah. it's it's significant. So it sounds like those two uh, judges might be in the same um, well, same kind of mindset, same it lesson. seems like. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, I don't mean to sound flip, but you know, enough is enough. And, uh, you know, as I said, if you want to do a good job on the bench, then you need to inform yourself of, of these kinds of issues. Indeed. Danielle, thanks for making some time for us here today. You're Appreciate welcome. this. Thanks for asking. All right. Me. Take care. That's uh, Danielle Aubrey, who is executive director of uh, Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse. Um, so, you know, just getting back to, to the original decision we we're talking about here. Uh, we don't know what, what uh, kind of sentences are going to come down in this case. Uh, it does sound as though there's going to be some, some further investigation into the, uh, the mental health or mental state of, of the two here, Corey and Cody Manyshot. Uh, the Crown, uh, again, is, is uh, arguing for 12-year sentences for both. Again, these are charges of kidnapping, sexual assault, causing bodily harm, uttering death threats, and robbery. All pretty serious charges. Now, again, to me, 12 years just doesn't quite seem enough. But maybe in the Canadian context, it it would send a strong message. The defense uh, pushing for a six-year term minus credit for, for time already served. Well, that, that would be for one of them, for Cody many shots, for the other. Uh, the defense is asking for two years, another two years, followed by probation. So they are going to look uh, deeper into some of these mental health issues. And I don't know, I don't know, that doesn't bode well. But we'll see, we'll see what that comes up with. But the decision about not allowing the, the, the victim to have her, her statement read out in court I don't know what comes of that. It, it's just, it becomes maybe a moot point in the grander scheme of things regarding this trial. So there's no avenue to appeal that. You can appeal a verdict. But where do you go when you say, well, you know, the judge should have allowed this to happen during the trial, but didn't. Because if, if, you know, if the judge does come back and gives the, the sentence that the Crown is looking for, then it's, it's done. It's, uh, it's over. There's no way to go back and say, well, okay, that was the right sentence, 
but I still should have been able to to read or have my statement read by by the lawyer. So it's it's done. But I think it's a mistake. Nine seven four eight two five five. Let's take a break here. We'll come back uh, and get some of your thoughts on this here. Seven seventy seven seventy as well. You can send us your text. It's afternoons on News Talk seven seventy. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at twelve thirty on News Talk seven seventy Calgary.